Welcome to Surviving Academia, a podcast about the wild world of the academy. Each episode, we talk about trying to make it work and share self-care techniques to make every day a little more survivable. We are your didactic... Duo? What? What? I am Kristen, and I am working on coding data. And I'm Zach, just trying to make every day a little better. I'm glad and... I gave you that great intro. Yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, Rachel, you'll notice, is not with us today. Don't worry. She's not dead, just newly wed. And so <laughs> we'll have to carry on without her for this episode, but she will be back for the next one. Speaking of which, the next episode will be the final one of the season. We are planning to go on a hiatus over winter break, um, but we are going to be working on new interviews, new shows, and new ideas uh, that we will introduce when we come back with the spring semester. More on that next episode, our final episode of the season. That's crazy. I know. I can't believe we've made it a whole season without I being know. canceled. I know. <laughs> I guess we're in charge of being canceled. So anyway. Yeah. We're still Today's... friends. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So until we get real sponsors, we do our own. So today's episode is brought to you by Proper Grammar. Speak and write in full sentences you should. A predicate and subject should be in all your sentences. None of them should have been written in passive voice by you. They should likewise be discernible to generalized understandings of discourse and the common vernacular tradition. So yeah, get you some good grammar today. Yeah, get you some good grammar. Oh, that was even rough to say, Zach. Yeah, I'm sorry about that one. Uh, but if you all want to reach out to us and correct our grammar, or maybe just drop us a line and tell us what you think we're doing, suggest some show ideas, uh, and stop, listen, and collaborate... We will gladly do that. Reach out to us on survivingacademiapodcast.com, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter at Surviving PhD or Instagram at Surviving Academia. We are in pretty much every place that you can get podcasts. Uh, so like, subscribe, listen today, and tell your friends about us. The didactic duo. Oh, we promise to be a trio again next time. It's been quite a week, Zach. Yeah. How so? Well, the election happened. The election how, did happen. How are we? Let's do a little check in. How are you? Uh, I'm feeling mixed. Like a lot of people that I was hoping would win didn't win. But there were a lot of people who did win that I didn't even know about that uh, are really great people. Totally. We got the first so. two Native American women ever elected to Congress. A uh, number of academics. I saw Doctorates. That. Yes. Yeah. Go team. How are you feeling? A bunch of ladies were elected. Um, yeah, I think we have all kinds of uh, new people. It's good to see new faces, but, you know, it's just been a rough week, it feels like. It's been long. Yeah, nothing stresses me out quite like the dissertation or trying to publish Except for election week. Except for doing all that during election week. Oh, my God. I don't know. I can't imagine how you're feeling. Yeah. Gross. Well, today's topic is related to that. And it's about... No. Well, I mean, if you think the human body is gross, so the human brain is gross. (laughs) I don't either. But today's topic is about exercise and the link to mental well-being that comes with exercise and i i want to be clear that i'm talking about physical exercise because as academics we exercise we exercise our brains all the time but we often don't you know exercise our bodies uh or we don't put as much priority uh priority on exercising our bodies uh as we do our brains uh either because we don't have time or we might not understand the link to uh, the link between the physical body and the brain and how much of the brain's health is related to the health of the rest of the body. I think when you're busy, it just seems like those little things are the first things that are cut too. So when you're already stressed and you're, um, you know, you're feeling like your work is piling on, it seems like those are the easy things to, to nix. 
especially if you're you are a person who has a family or just a really tight schedule and it is a matter of getting up early so if it's like you know getting up an hour early so that you can get to the gym and exercise before you start your day um it's so tempting just to hit the snooze button about a dozen times instead oh i totally feel you on that exercise is definitely the first thing to go um, but that's one of those things. It's it's a preventative measure. And, and I think psychology and exercise science have established for a long time that, you know, physical well-being and exercising the body has a strong link to mental health. And that, like, if we don't take care of our bodies first, um, I don't know. I'm making it sound like I'm a huge exercise nut. I just went out and did a bunch of, of research on this. Um, and I definitely, like... You know, my exercise comes in swings where, like, I will exercise, you know, three or four times a week for a couple of weeks and then do nothing for a couple of weeks. What about what about you? Same. I'm the worst. I mean, this is all stuff we know. But just like in my example that I was saying before, it's one of those things where, you know, if you're stressed out and you have a lot going on and you're already stressed, that might be what's affecting your sleep. And so you're not really sleeping that great either. So getting up early doesn't feel like a good solution. Um, So it just kind of like builds and piles. And I think that we're at that point in the semester now where, you know, the fun and the love and the laughter has wore off. We're like really in the thick of it. This is where, you know, people, if they're going to quit, this is like when they typically do so. This is when students start freaking out. This is when the family pressure starts I don't know about you, but I start getting the, are you coming to Thanksgiving phone calls right about now? Mm -hmm. And so that kind of thing, I think all just piles on top of you. And then the idea of like adding exercise on top of that feels, I feel like I'm just like juggling and I drop something. So I'm either eating well for a week uh, or I'm exercising well. I just don't, or I'm sleeping. I'm not doing everything well at the same time. When you, when you exercise, what does exercise mean to you? Ooh, good question. So I try to incorporate a lot of mindful things, mindfulness when I exercise. So I do like yoga. I know we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also like getting out there on the trails. Uh, My dog is currently about a foot from me at the moment. So if you hear him, you know, make his dog noises this episode, you know, it's a it's a rough life. But getting it, uh, we're rough, 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 rough life. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Don't do that. I'm glad he can't hear you because he would have started barking. Um, but where I live has a pretty good trail system. So getting out there and kind of walking is really easy. Bringing the dog is great. I'm not a person who really like loves the gym or I, I just really feel intimidated by that. So I'm not a person who would go do that, that kind of thing. What about you? Oh, well, I agree that the gym is, I mean, I go to the gym. But it's you the do? last. Pl- it's the last place I want to work out. Yeah. I prefer to. There's a really great uh, trail near me that I love to run, and it's very crowded, very popular trail. Uh, so I'm not alone in that pursuit. Um, but my workout routine is such that I. It's heaviest in the spring and the fall mm-hmm. when I can do my exercise outdoors. So I love hiking. I'm middling on running. Uh, I love biking, uh, that sort of stuff. Um, and then when all else is unavailable, I'll go to the gym to, to get that in. What's your uh, biggest exercise accomplishment? Okay. You, this is a leading question because I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So a couple of years ago, I joined, full disclosure, I've never been a very athletic person. I've always been into water sports and things like that. But like... I never have done any like team sports or anything like that in high school. I was like on the debate team and in the French club and things like that, like in student government. I was not a sportser. Um, so a couple years ago, I joined a couch to half marathon group, which is just I had never even <laughs> ran a 5K. Like, I don't know. I was just like, let's just go big. Like, let's just... So I had never, ever run a 5K. And so in 20 weeks, we went, I literally went from not running to uh, completing a half marathon. And I wish to God that I would have kept up with like my training and things like that, because it was so easy once you get going. Um, But it didn't really feel easy until like week 10. 
or like not even easy, but like survivable until about week 10. But um, yeah, that's another, just, that's another podcast surviving yeah, a half marathon. It really is. I was, you know, I'm was so taken aback by the run community in general. So this is a group of people. I just think people who run marathons like, oh, my God, like not only is it like physical strength, but this like mental strength that you have to do because everybody wants to quit the entire time. Um, but there's such a supportive group of people like runners. I never would have thought that it's like my own bias, but runners are like a really good, cool support. Even when you're a slow poke and we, even when you take forever, I was not the last person to finish, but I was close, but I did finish and I did it. Yay. <laughs> what about so, you? Uh, well, I've run a couple of 10Ks, but that's... Uh, oh, so I'm kind of better than you, though. Yeah, you're definitely better than me. <laughs> I would say the the my, my biggest accomplishment exercise-wise was I went on a 15-mile hike wow. uh, this past summer in Rocky Mountain National Park carrying a 50-pound bag on my back. It's actually my biggest exercise accomplishment and a bucket list failure because I originally intended to camp and then I saw too many moose along the way and it really freaked me out. People don't understand that moose are more dangerous than bears because bears don't want to have anything to do with you. They only attack as a last ditch effort and moose just don't, they just don't care. They'll trample you if you're, if they're, if you're in their way. So really, I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. So I saw one too many moose and I just, and, and the mosquitoes were everywhere, so I, I went out and then chickened out and then hiked back. What's the plural and, of moose? Uh, moose. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> meese? Yeah, meese. <laughs> well, it, was, it wasn't for meese, that's for sure. So uh, so you hiked 15 miles in and then went back, so it's no, like 30 eight, miles? About, miles eight, about eight in, about eight back, so 15 well, seven back because I went I went to a different exit point. Um, yeah, and and that's something that uh, again, like my favorite exercise activities are in the outdoors, and so um, that was something that that really brought me up to mm-hmm. to it, even attempt. Even though I failed, I didn't feel bad about it. Mm-hmm. Um, just the fact that I was able to, you know, do this feat of athleticism with my own body under my own, you know mental uh uh, my own own mental wherewithal aptitude aptitude there we go um yeah it was it was uh it was an accomplishment for me i would say wait i have so many more questions so is your bucket list item to do like a particular like so many miles or a particular trail or no it's to camp out uh um, do a multiple day camp out in the wilderness away from any uh, any sort of modern amenity, electricity, running water, toilets, anything like total primitive camping for several days in a row. Okay, so just to be and, a man of the wilderness. Sure, you can put it that way. Uh, and I would gladly do it with, I think now that I've tried it once, I know that I need to do it with another person. So I need yeah. to find, um, and that person could be another man or could be a woman, who knows, but just like somebody to somebody to be there uh, maybe it's my extrovert tendencies. Um, yeah, but let's, let's, I, I don't know if I would be able to do it by myself. It's, it's tough. Um, but let's, let's talk about this more in the context of like, what does this do for, uh, the academic? Okay. Um, I think a lot of, a lot of schools have recognized the fact that, you know, academic life is hard. And rather than diminish workloads or try to stem the increasing workloads, a lot of them have um, instead, you know, started to offer free exercise programs. Um, the school I'm at, I know, has a midday, like, light calisthenics and yoga session, like an hour, like lunch hour uh, yoga for staff and faculty. Um, and that's something that's taken place in a, in a lot of schools. I think a lot of schools are offering that. Have you seen that uh, where you are? Yeah, I think like uh, I've even seen articles recently where they're teaching sort of kids mindfulness. So as like an alternative to like a timeout or something like that, where they're 
they're teaching kids to be kind of meditate and to sort of like reflect on like their feelings and things like that in those moments. Mm -hmm. Um, I think those are great and those are pretty positive. I think we just get so wrapped up, you know, in our day and what's happening. It's really kind of crazy when we think about it. I do like the idea though. I know you wanted to move past your little hiking in the woods. Um, but having that time to sort of disconnect from everything. So like getting space away from your cell phone and your email and truly, I almost have to put my phone completely out of like my vicinity. So I can't even hear it vibrate or see it glow because you just get so in tune with checking it every couple minutes. So I think these sort of you know, noontime breaks, it just seems like we're so invested in multitasking where it's like people routinely will eat at their desk and kind of work through lunch. I think these, this offers a really great alternative to that. No, I, I totally agree. And uh, I know we do self-care segments every episode, but it seems like in a, in a way, this whole episode is about a form of self-care and it's more about, you know, how do we find a way to include that in, uh, in our, you know, our everyday practices? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that might be a good transition point to uh, bumping to the interview that uh, Rachel did with uh, Professor Emily Raleigh. So why don't we go to that and then uh, come back and talk about, talk about yoga, which Great. is their Sounds topic. good. All right. Okay, so today I am sitting down with Emily Raleigh. She is an assistant professor of theater at Central Washington University. Thank you for coming on, Emily. Well, thanks so much. I'm so excited to be here and to talk about this, and I'm honored to be on the podcast. Thank you. Well, we're so honored to have you. Um, so tell me a little bit about what you do at Central Washington. So I teach in the theater department at Central. Um, I teach acting, directing, theater history, dramatic lit, theater pedagogy, and anything else they want me to teach, really. Awesome. (laughs) Um, And then I also do some yoga for artists, both in the music department and in our department on a weekly basis, to encourage self-care for our students and our faculty. So... Tell me a bit about what that like yoga for artists looks like. Is yeah. it a class? Is it a program? Or? It, it's it's an optional program, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did my yoga teacher training three years ago, four years ago almost, um, just because I was using yoga in my acting classes to warm up my actors, to get them thinking about how the mind, the body, and the breath all really focus mm-hmm. their work um, in the arts, but also just as students. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I went to Central, I mentioned it to some colleagues who were very excited about yoga mm-hmm. uh, and were really interested in mindfulness and realizing the imbalance that we as academics and as artists yeah. Often have. Yeah. Um, and so we just started very casually doing 30 minutes of breathing, meditation, yoga that I would lead on Wednesdays. So we call mm-hmm. it Wellness Wednesday. <laughs> I love uh, it. It was great. And we would do it in the afternoon as the shops were closing so that people could come after work or students could come after class. And it started with 30 minutes and about probably four people. And now it's kind of grown. Usually there's between eight and ten in a given session, depending on schedules, and we do it at five o'clock, and now it's pretty much an hour because that's what people need. And yeah. watching them go from when they come in the door to when they come out, it's really important. But the other piece of it is for artists, there's lots of studies that talk about how meditation and mindfulness actually create new neural receptors in the brain that are specifically for creative means. So it's double bonus for the artists. Oh, yeah. And so we were doing it in our department. And then this summer, the dean approached me because he had thought about doing something like that for the music students. And he originally was in the music department. And I said, well, I do it in the theater department. And I am a certified registered yoga teacher. So if you wanted to do something in music, I'd be great to do yoga for artists music edition is what we call it. (laughs) Awesome. And so I've been doing that this fall. And that, uh, we've had probably 10 to 15 people every time, which is great. Mostly students there. I have mostly faculty in the theater department, which is fascinating. Uh, But it's been really fun to watch the students kind of grow from session to session. But I think for anyone in academia, but also specifically this one for artists, is that there's a focus on creativity and 
building those neural connections and opportunities for creative response. Oh, that's awesome. Can you come and do that here? Yes. <laughs> I actually have developed workshops. I taught in Milwaukee last weekend oh, awesome. at a conference. And so it was that one was yoga for artists and academics. Uh-huh. And interestingly enough, it was a conference largely populated by women. And so it, thinking about the invisible labor that often goes mm. in as a, a woman mm-hmm. and female artist, a female academic, it was a really... Uh, necessary intervention for some of those mm-hmm. women and several of them came up to me like later in the conference and said my day was so much better oh because I started with your very early morning session but it got me through the day yeah so my hope is that workshops like that can happen more readily oh, yeah. and can help us find a little bit more balance oh yeah mm-hmm well, we I know I think a lot about balance and talk a lot about balance. And I know, um, so I know that you've always been really into running and yoga. And so I'm curious how you have found time to balance those in as an academic, like as a graduate student and then as now as a faculty member. What does that look like to you? How do you do it? It's hard. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Like it is, it is difficult, right? Because... Academia asks so many things of us, um, both in the classroom, but then the research and the service, which is, you've talked about this in other podcasts, right? It's flexible, so that means it extends and kind of has the the time creep on our, our mm-hmm. lives. And so going through graduate school, running was essential for me to be sane and to be grounded in any capacity, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would schedule time just like I scheduled time to go to class or I scheduled office hours. Every day I would look at my schedule and say, okay, here's my little window, mm-hmm. my teeny window perhaps some days, but this is my window that I can take this opportunity to get out, to move, and to do what I need to do. And for me, it was running. For other people, it's different sorts of activity, but I found particularly for me the running opened up space away. It was outside. It was not thinking about all of the the other academic work or mm-hmm. the classes or the teaching or the or the or the. Um, yeah. <laughs> all of the things, pick one. And it just gave me the space to think. But then I would also get these fabulous ideas and I would come home and I have many sort of sweat-stained post-its of, oh, I have to write this down so I can put it in my next article or whatever. <laughs> but that's when it happened, right? Yeah. And so I, I found that it was important for me to schedule time and it might not be the same time every day. I mean, that was ideal, that it would be the same time. But our schedules change, mm-hmm. other demands, uh, service and meetings, those crop up. But I would always look at the day and find the window of time mm-hmm. where it was useful. And some days that means bringing all of my stuff with me to campus so that I change in my office and run and then come back and then go to the next thing. But that's what keeps me really grounded. And then the running opened up the yoga practice, which now have become kind of a quintessential pair for me. Uh, Mm. The run every day, and then there's usually, I like to practice yoga at night to let me sort of debrief from the day's work. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, little windows whenever. Uh, Mm -hmm. I have arranged my office so that my yoga mat fits, and I know where it fits, and so I can just unroll it and practice, and if I need to do it in the office, I will do office yoga. So yeah, the the running saw me all through grad school. And then the yoga came in more in force in the last year or so of mm-hmm. that. And then since then, it's really been a really nice pair to the running. Mm-hmm. But it's it's the carving out time. It's putting it on the schedule. I mean, there were even days, especially when I was doing my PhD and dissertating, that it was on the to-do list so I could have the fabulous satisfaction of checking it off, right? Oh, my God. I put things on my to-do list sometimes that I've already done just so I can have that satisfaction. Mm-hmm. So... I love that. Yep. Yep. And then it's really <laughs> satisfying, right? Cuz you're like I did yes. something, I got mm-hmm. outside, and uh-huh. I can cross it off my list. Check. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's fantastic. So, do you notice any difference when you have not been as active and versus when you are running regularly, practicing regularly, and really engaging with that physical well-being, but also like wellness and mental well-being? Mhm. They're intimately connected, at least for me. Okay. Um it ebbs and flows, right? The amount of time that you have to do the physical part of it, it changes depending on the season and the semester and all of that. Um, But I definitely notice uh, a better sense of being grounded and focused Mm -hmm. when I have those opportunities so that I can turn that attention to the research or to a student 
um, it, mentally and emotionally, I'm much more even keel when I can find those physical outlets. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the yoga is a moving meditation, so it's mm-hmm. the breathing mindfulness that goes with that, so it cycles back mm-hmm. in a very cyclical process. Um, but, yeah, there's there's much more stability there. The ability to take on those unexpected moments with mm-hmm. students when they walk in your door full of tears, I feel much more able and open to handle that when I've had my space and my time. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's amazing to me how much they're connected, and I didn't quite realize it until probably in the last two years when I've really started to focus on how does this impact our work as academics, as artists, as people, and that's mm-hmm. kind of, it's taken a slight research turn for me as well, which is really exciting. Um, but it, yeah, it, it really connects things mentally, emotionally, physically, all of the above. What is that research that you're working on? So, uh, prompted by our Wellness Wednesdays, uh-huh. I'm really interested in looking at yoga and mindfulness practices, specifically for artists and theater artists. There's a lot of work with musicians. There's a lot of work, uh, less amount of work, but some work with visual artists, but there's really not much published talking about theater artists. So that's mm-hmm. kind of the turn. I'm working on a proposal for an edited collection of essays to look at how we use yoga and mindfulness practices to train theater artists broadly, so not just actors. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of new research about yoga and Stanislavski, the acting teacher, yeah. and that overlap. Um, but I'm more interested in how it impacts us more generally in terms of creativity and how do we move that forward. So it's now become not only a hobby and something that I do, but something mm-hmm. I can work into my research. So it makes it much easier to also schedule time because it's research time now. Yeah. Sort of, oh, yes. Kind of. <laughs> a bit. So with Wellness Wednesdays, do you also kind of engage with some of this practice and some of these ideas and um, kind of, mm, I don't want to say tactics, but um, techniques? with students in your classroom as well? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, last spring, I had a colleague come to my office and say, Emily, I need you to do a yoga vention. <laughs> and I looked at her That's and I said, oh, a what? <laughs> and so we have now this new term, a yoga vention. But her students were, it was the end of spring, we are in quarters. Uh, it was the end of the quarters in the spring and her students were very high stress and she could feel it in the room one was almost on the verge of tears and so I went up and I led them not so much in yoga but in a breathing meditation Mm -hmm. and afterwards you could feel the energy in the room and that sounds really sort of woo-woo but you could feel Mm -hmm. that that energy in Mm -hmm. the room lesson and the students were so much more relaxed so yeah I use it in my classes not all the time but even just at the top of class to say stop take a breath notice who's in the room and now we're going to go on to the next thing Um, I've used it I teach a senior research class uh, for senior students who are at the culminating moment of their career and several times in that class we had to stop and just take a couple minutes to breathe and it doesn't take long it's not impossible mm-hmm. but taking that time because we're not programmed to and college students are so not programmed to do that mm-hmm. they're not told that you know self-care is an important thing for them the narrative is sleep is overrated and yeah. you know drink all the red bull get all the classwork done and have a social life, but don't take care of yourselves, mm-hmm. where if we can cultivate that earlier, I think mm-hmm. it will help all of those future academics, scholars, just people in the world be able to function. Yeah, because I know a lot of academics that operate maybe without the Red Bull, but very mm-hmm. much kind of on the same idea yeah. um, of, of of sleep is, I can sleep later, I can, I can catch up later, but I have to get these things done. Mm-hmm. So you just said something where it, you said it doesn't take long to do this. But I know for me and for a lot of academics out there, taking any time away from uh, our tasks, our research, our teaching is almost impossible. Mm-hmm. But the reality is it doesn't take long. So what do you, what do you have to, as like recommendations or advice of advice to how to work this into one schedule? Yeah. How do you even start making this a part of what you do every day? That's a great question. <laughs> um, and it, you're right. It does seem kind of impossible. Like mm-hmm. at what, what time am I going to make for this? But even to do like two, start with two minutes of just breathing meditation before you write. I took a fabulous, when I was in grad school, a mindful writing class mm-hmm. that was part of building that into your writing practice. And so two minutes of even deep breathing 
maybe even doing a slow if it's hard to sit still for that long because for some of us yes it is so hard to sit and calm our brains Mm -hmm. but to just sit and do a slow inhale on three and then an exhale on three and to do that set a little timer do it for two minutes Mm -hmm. and just that amount of space can open up a beginning right and then theoretically mm-hmm. ideally you could expand it to maybe five or ten minutes mm-hmm. but even on those busy days two minutes makes a huge difference mm-hmm. even one breath in mm-hmm. those moments of stress before you respond to a colleague or a student mm-hmm. to take that breath it can mm-hmm. just calm and center and there's um the parasympathetic nervous system gets activated by deep like what they call belly breathing. Mm-hmm. And so if you can really breathe through your belly all the way up into the width of your ribs in a nice slow three count and then exhale in that same manner, those breaths actually, uh, they, they start the rest and digest reflex instead of the fight or flight. And so it's that sort of deep relaxation that can come. So two minutes, set your timer before you can do it sitting in your chair at your desk. But I think that's a good place to start. And then as things build. For some folks, sitting is hard. So then even to do just some, a couple sun salutes or just a couple basic yoga postures Mm -hmm. with the breath, I think the breath is the most important thing, Mm -hmm. that can help. Mm -hmm. And gosh, you know, we write all the time, right? We're sitting all the time. So to take two minutes, three Mm -hmm. minutes to stand up from our desk, go into the corner of our office, breathe and maybe just do a few stretches, yoga postures, Mm -hmm. it can make a world of difference. And I think that's how you start. That's a great start. I, I I think well, this desk is a, the we're in my office for this, and this is a standing desk, and it does go up and down with this little fancy button, and Ooh, yeah. it has totally changed my mornings because mm-hmm. I spend my you know catching up on email time every single morning standing, mm-hmm. and I can rock back and forth, and it kind of keeps me awake. I drink my coffee, and um, even that little thing has made kind of a difference, and so I can only imagine just adding small things into your day would just improve your overall well-being and um and probably taking that time would probably make you more productive Mm -hmm. oh i think absolutely right Mm -hmm. there's been studies that say i just read a study that students at least can concentrate on a specific topic for about 12 to 14 minutes Mm -hmm. before they need some sort of shift right Mm -hmm. if it's true of students it's gotta be true of us oh yeah so if, if that's our, our chunk, you know, do your, your bit of focused work, breathe, and then you're so much more focused to come back to it. Mm-hmm. You're not spinning your wheels thinking about, oh, gosh, I wish I could stand up and move, but you're doing it. Mm-hmm. And then you come back refreshed and focused. Yeah. But I think we do. We, the narrative is you just have to keep working. Mm-hmm. And I feel that very keenly. But I also feel that self-care and taking that time is a radical act but a really important one mm-hmm. and a little rebellious, right? If we yeah. want to push back against that narrative. Yeah. But if we want to be more productive and better teachers, better colleagues, mm-hmm. better creative critical thinkers, I think all mm-hmm. of that is involved. I really do. Mm-hmm. That's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really it's interesting to like to when you think about how taking time away from work will actually make you get more work done. Mm-hmm. But it's it's true. Yep. yep. It's I'm I mean that's how I feel sometimes. Mm-hmm. So, And I like to think about hearing you say taking time away from work. That's kind yeah. of how we look at it. Yep. I like to think about it as creating space. Mm. So it's not like I'm taking something away, but I'm actually making this. So I'm creating this, which has, you know, we create scholarship. So that just that slight verb change for me makes all the difference. It makes it more doable. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because then it doesn't feel like we're sacrificing something we're supposed to be doing, that we're not failing at something. Because the idea that we have to be striving for perfection, we have to be striving for to work all the time, we have these deadlines, everything. So that does change the way you think about it Mm -hmm. and actually makes it that you're just spacing out the work rather than stepping away and and not working. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you gave advice for... The everyday academic. Yes. Um, what is one thing that we could do with our students? Even in, you know, we have people who listen who are from all different disciplines and not just in theater. And sometimes it can be really intimidating when you're outside of kind of an arts mm-hmm. discipline to do this with your students. But what's one thing that someone could even do in like a physics lecture 
that would help get their students in the mindset to learn and to work on their mindfulness as well? Mm-hmm. That's that's a fabulous question because I do think it can be applied so broadly because it's, it is perhaps more acceptable in the arts where we are on our feet doing some other things. Mm-hmm. But I do think in, you know, a calc classroom and a physics lecture and a chemistry lab and engineering, you name it, um, sometimes I like to start my classes with just a minute or two of silence and the students can do whatever they want. I encourage them to just breathe and to be, but some of them have to doodle and that's fine. But just that moment of letting all the rest of it go and being here Mm. and kind of settling in because they're running from class to class. Right. Mm -hmm. And a minute even at the top of class, instead of having them talk to each other or, you know, doing the roll call, Mm -hmm. the minute is is feasible, right? Mm -hmm. And also really doable for anybody in any classroom because your physics students are arriving, they're getting Mm -hmm. ready for lecture, to start and bring everyone together, just take a minute to breathe. Um, Sometimes I even do, and this is less of the stillness, but more of the the mindfulness recentering, but I just have my students do stream of consciousness for a minute, write everything that's in your brain, dump it, on a piece of paper. Sometimes I have them keep that piece of paper for later and sometimes we crumple it up and we throw it away because mm-hmm. it's that's not what we need to focus on right now. We can focus on class, right? Mm-hmm. So just sort of reorienting the focus to being there, being present. Um, if it's in the middle of lecture sometimes, because teaching theater history, that happens for me, right? So in the middle of any kind of lecture, to have the students stop, stand up, stretch all the way as tall as you can get mm-hmm. and all the way down, now sit and we're we're ready to go again. So mm-hmm. it's those sort of, you know, I have some elementary school friend, teacher friends who call them brain breaks. Mm-hmm. But I think brain breaks are okay we for still college need those. students. Yes. <laughs> like bring them back, you know? Yeah. So those sorts of things. I mean, and if you wanted to get if you're teaching biology, right, and you wanted to get more connected, you could teach a yoga posture like tree pose or something if you really wanted to be curricularly tied, I suppose. But I think just to take the time, brain mm-hmm. dump to breathe, teaching students how to breathe isn't a bad thing because most of us don't breathe deeply on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And that they can take elsewhere. I mean, I had a non-major student say to me at my last institution, you do yoga just all the time. And I looked at her and I said, I don't know what you mean because I don't think I do. And she said, no, I hear you breathe like you're doing yoga sometimes. And then suddenly you sound so much calmer. <laughs> I was like, oh, I guess I do do that, right? So those moments of modeling, which I was unintentionally doing, mm-hmm. but still doing, mm-hmm. they filter through to our students. Yeah. So it's, it's very doable across the disciplines. But I think breath is the first place to start. And then if, you, if you're teaching a lecture where everyone's seated, mm-hmm. not a bad idea to stand up stretch in some capacity, breathe, open yourself up, and then sit back down again. Mm -hmm. That can be a really easy practice, but helps reorient. And then I would even consciously make the connection to self-care with the students, because they can sometimes see it as like, oh, we're just going to do this silly thing that Professor Raleigh wants us to do. But Mm -hmm. if you take that moment to be like, this is actually helping you refocus, you could do this in the library. Mm -hmm. You could do this. Mm-hmm. on your own to refocus it's okay yeah like, giving them that permission is so important i think that's great mm-hmm. i think this will be really helpful to a lot of our listeners who kind of feel that guilt when they step away from work or you know i think we've all kind of had those instances where we can't necessarily center our students mm-hmm. that maybe it's you know especially towards midterms and finals and spring break and all these times when they're just ready and raring to go with other things or they're just overwhelmed mm-hmm. and it's almost a serve we can do this as a service to ourselves and to the people we work with mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it will make us all that much more able to do our jobs in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Um, The number of pictures I've gotten from former students where uh, I sometimes teach this technique called legs up the wall, where you lay on the floor and you put your legs directly up the wall Mm -hmm. next to you. And it's in yoga theory, it's supposed to flush your lymphatic system and just sort of help ground and center. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've taught that to students in various classes and I'll get pictures from them saying, I didn't feel very great today or I was really low energy. So I did like up the wall. Look, (laughs) but it's stuff like that, that you could do in your office. Right. And you might not be able to do that with your whole lecture class. Admittedly, Mm -hmm. it might be a little silly, but 
but you teaching them those things yeah and just giving them room we mm-hmm. just don't give ourselves room to do it and our students certainly don't but if we can model it which is so hard we're not good at that yeah but if we can i think it helps mm-hmm. well thank you so much emily this was inspiring now i feel like i need to bring my yoga mat into my office I have some room on the floor. You have plenty of room. Yeah, without our furniture in here yet. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, I mean, just remembering to take some time to breathe and center and just working on that everyday mindfulness isn't really a chore. It can be worked into the schedule really, really easy. Yeah, yeah. It's a radical act, but a really important one. Awesome. Well, I'm going to get Kristen and Zach to try this too. And then I'll check back in with you and let you know how we do. Oh, that's awesome. I look forward to that. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. So that was Dr. Bauer talking to Dr. Raleigh about yoga. Zach, what are your thoughts? Uh, Well, man, I wish I could take uh, something that's a hobby and then like turn it into my career. Uh, It's just really cool that she was able to take something that she really enjoyed doing and then like somehow integrate that in such a holistic way between like being also her like side passion and now being part of her research uh, agenda. And like the idea that she's going to get published on yoga is really cool. Um, Always the academic taking that academic angle. I know I I am. She sounds so much more peaceful and mindful than I do. You think, I think you sound very peaceful. Thank you. I hide it well. Yeah. No, I like the idea that she, you know, really set up her spaces, in particular her office and things that things like that, with this sort of yoga and mindfulness and practice in mind. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, yeah. I like the idea of having to do a yoga vention. Do you think a yoga vention would help in your life or in the life of anybody you know? Totally. It would totally help. We're just you. Uh, I don't know. See, I've never done yoga. Why? Well, I I don't know. I've uh just never felt the urge to to do it. But I have a feeling that that's going to make an appearance as a self care segment for us in the future at some point, right? Of course. Of course. Of course. Of course. No, I mean I've I've had to do physical therapy. And I think in a lot of ways, uh, physical therapy approximates a lot of what yoga does because it involves holding a certain stretch pose for a long period of time. And so I I understand why that's appealing. I've done some meditation um, Mm -hmm. and that, you know, has certain elements that that overlap with yoga. But uh, no, never done yoga. Uh, Maybe we can get Dr. Raleigh to to come and uh, to come and do that for us. What what did you what else did you think about, um, oh, how about her, her, the part where she talked about how, um, you know, our student, like a lot of studies show that our students can only concentrate for about 10 to 14 minutes before, like, before they start to lose focus on stuff and the need for us to take that into account about our own ability to concentrate on the task at hand, like, do you work for more than 14 minutes at a time? How do you, how do you take, take what she said there uh, in, in your own experience? Well, this is why I wish Rachel was on because I always forget the fancy name of the thing that we do. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so I set a focus timer and try to stick to that. So I think we've talked about this in a other episode where I'll write for 25 minutes and then take a five minute break. So I try to keep that, um, I try to keep that in mind with myself as I as I do tasks, even with reading. Sometimes we can get stuck, you know, mm-hmm. and not stand up and stretch when we're reading. But I've also thought about introducing this in the classroom as well. I think sometimes as the semester goes on, it's like I've wanted to kind of lead a, a small like guided meditation, but I'm not really sure if that would be well received. I don't know. I'll have to think more about it. Yeah, I smell a self-care segment coming on in the future. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, that's about all that I think we have to talk about today. So why don't don't I I have stuff to say? You had stuff to say? Tell Tell me some more. Okay, well, after this, I kind of feel like I went down a rabbit hole on Instagram. 
Yeah. Of yoga. Of yoga. yoga, If there's a rabbit pose, I jumped into it. Um, Oh, don't hurt yourself. (laughs) There are people that I do follow and have been following for a long time. And I just wanted to give just a few shouts out to people who I really love and follow. So one person that... um, I think people would really appreciate following is her name is Jessa Jessamine. I'm probably not pronouncing this person's name correctly, but it's at, this is on Instagram at my name is J E S S A M Y N. And what I love about uh, this person is um, she does, they do not have a small body. I'm not sure if they use, you know, what their pronouns are, what anybody's pronouns are that I don't know. But um, I like that they don't have a tiny petite body. And oftentimes when you see yoga, it always tends to be people who are already really fit. And so I know that's not the point of yoga necessarily, like it is for everybody. And it is about increasing like your own flexibility. But I just really love you know, seeing how this person is able to modify poses is really great. Mm-hmm. I I think that's one of the things that's made me a little averse to, to yoga over, uh, over time is like the people who do yoga most visually do not look like me. And to harken right. back to earlier in the show, that's also why the gym is my last resort is because people at the gym, often don't really look like me yeah and so that's why i like another person i follow on instagram their uh handle is let's start yoga i like this person's feed because i think they show the progression of yoga very well so like uh like a transformation like in you know somebody who's trying to touch their toes and you can see like the difference between you know, mindfulness and trying to stretch every day for what a month looks like. And you can see how much farther they are. I think sometimes we want like instant results, but like some of these poses are so great because the person shows all these different, uh, you know, variations that people do. I only have two more. I love yoga (laughs) underscore girl underscore London. She's really great or they're really great. Um, a lot of good modifications if you do yoga. And then the last person I just mainly watch just as like a holy smokes. Like this person is so good. Um, the person's name is Lizette underscore Pampa. So it's L-I-Z-E-T-T-E underscore P-O-M-P-A. And like, I feel like this person is just like a little flexible rubber band. And so sometimes I like looking at those accounts just as like a reminder. And uh, they're not all the typical bodies that you see doing yoga. Mm -hmm. So shout out to all those people. I love you all. I'm inspired by everybody. I like the idea of starting out really tiny and small. So I'm going to, you know, put five minutes on the clock and, you know, force myself to take a few minutes for myself and my body. Yeah, I think that's, uh, if, if anything, the thing that I get most from uh, Professor Raleigh is just, you know, put it on your list, even if it's just, you know, for five minutes a day, just to do it for any period of time can help get the start the ball rolling on, uh, you know, exercise and bring you the benefits of, of, exercise in this case yoga but you know maybe for me it's five minutes of of push-ups or sit-ups or jumping jacks or something uh, or yoga or yoga okay we're gonna do yoga at some point i get it (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah like just just put it on the list and do it for five minutes because if you can carve out five minutes then you know maybe when you're not so busy you can carve out 10 minutes or 30 minutes and and getting in the habit is really what counts towards uh you know making it beneficial to your overall mental well-being any sort of exercise of the body will benefit the the mind as well so this last advertisement is brought to you by being sorry oh wait sorry sorry for taking so long to get back to you 
Sorry, I can't. I can't hear you. Can we repeat that? We're all so sorry. Sorry, be sorry today. Ah, uh, that one hits way too close to home, Zach. <laughs> I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. I could have written that a little better. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is something I actually was reading about this week because I've been thinking about the dreaded job market and things that you can do to prepare yourself. And one of the articles I was reading this week talks about graduate students in particular because we're so used to taking on a subordinate role that we fall into this sorry or like anytime like a professor or an advisor I was cracking up she had this little joke where it's like you see your advisor in the hallway and they say hi how are you and our reply is I'm sorry I should have gotten that gotten that paper to you I, I meant to do this and we like give this like yeah, long list yeah. of like things as opposed to just saying like I'm fine. Thank you. We we fall into this trap a lot. And I think women in particular are socialized, you know, to diffuse and say this constantly. So don't do it. That could be your little bit of self-care is to, you know, take pick, up the space you need. Yeah. Pick one thing that you're not really sorry about and don't actually say sorry. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of self-care, um, we and speaking of being sorry, uh, we don't really I'm have in love with this. Yeah, we segment. don't have a formal self care segment today. The semester wears on. We all get tired, and so for we're today's so tired, care, y'all. today's self care, we're going to take a nap. Uh, and taking a nap doesn't make for good listening. So instead of making a segment that you're going to listen to, we will encourage you to join us and also take a nap. Yeah, sleep with us, everyone. Oh, hey now. (laughs) (laughs) No, do some good stretches and take a nap. Sometimes that's what you need. You need to like listen to your body and just take a few minutes. Even if it's, I'm a fan of the power nap. Are you? Oh, amen to that. Are you a napper, Zach? Amen. Uh, I don't know that I ever like fully fall asleep during naps, but I'm a fan of like laying down and closing my eyes for 15 to 30 minutes at regular, regular intervals, like once or twice a day yeah yep all growing up I used to do this and my brother and I would call this pretend sleeping because we're not really actually asleep and so we one of us if we somebody was on like the couch we'd come in and be like are you real sleeping or pretending sleeping and like we'd answer I'm pretending how much longer are you going to be pretending probably five more minutes okay great (laughs) (laughs) even if it's just pretend you guys go 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 rest your eyes for a little bit and and Take a nap. So thank you all for listening. Feel free to tweet us, Facebook us, comment on the webpage, or send us an email with suggestions about show topics or feedback on what we're doing, what you'd like to see. Maybe we'll con Rachel into sharing one of her wedding pictures on the one of the pages. She looked like a an angel. A Didn't she gorgeous, look majestic uh no she really fairy goddess beautiful and justin looks so handsome and they're already like you guys they're already being gross like her (laughs) husband like the next day wrote like happy one day anniversary wife and she wrote um happy one day anniversary to you husband like they are just gross in love right now yeah yeah they're really riding it high Hopefully she gets that out of her system before she comes back. Yeah. Well, while they're thriving, until next time, (laughs) you all keep on surviving.